0: In theory, this should work with Performance Max, but you still will get a lot of junk leads with Performance Max. So I would set this up with search to start with. And then as you get more data, get more leads, you can even set this up all the way to actual closed deals, as long as they happen in a three month frame. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the
1: podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello, and welcome to the first Customer Acquisition Show of the new year, 2023. Today, we're here with one of our most popular recurring episodes, which is what's working now with our Google team. What's going on?
0: Hey, everybody. Great to be back on the Customer Acquisition Show. We have our team of Google Ads experts here. I'm Nick. I oversee the team, but they're the ones who have all the brains and are the smartest Google advertisers I know. So we have Ollie Leboy, who's located in Belgium, sometimes going back and forth between New York and Belgium. We have Rashna and Shurud, who are both based in India and manage some of our highest spending accounts here at Tier 11. And great to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. And I'm Tom Meredith, the VP of Marketing here at Tier 11. And I'm really excited to launch a whole new year of lots of great content like this. So let's dive straight in. What are you guys seeing right now in Google Ads?
2: What's going on? AI, that has become like a very integral part of our everyday job of running campaigns. And it has been a blessing in the past few months. So it looks like we just got updated like the Jarvis if we are the iron man the Jarvis has got an update next level and now we have more superpowers too. so it feels like that
1: are you talking more about like the google machine learning or going more into the generative ai stuff like chat gpt
2: everything like all the ai updates that are coming up new features that have been introduced inside the google ads also so it's like it's if i sum up it's everything
3: I think Jarvis is called, they changed their name because of Marvel. I think it's Jasper now.
0: <laughs> oh, they changed their yeah. name.
3: I think they had to. So Jarvis is in the.
0: Yeah, I think they were
1: conversion.
3: What did
1: they? I think they were conversion.ai before that. True. Yeah. True. I guess it's. it's but I was easy. using it. To... Yeah. Yeah, ChatGPT is something else. And I think it's really the difference is the conversational nature of it, right? You can have this conversation, iterate, where it was harder to do that iteration in OpenAI or Jarvis before then.
2: I think we are encountering like an evolutionary shift in advertising the way we used to advertise. I recently posted a post on LinkedIn about the fundamentals of advertising have always been the same but the evolutionary change always happens so either it's like shifting from a, the traditional model to a digital to a ai driven to what's more exciting is augment, augmented reality so like how would that be something that i really look forward to so the really excited times to be very honest to be witnessing this evolution of advertising and being a part of that. So I'm excited, like I've never been before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so exciting. And the thing is Google, we know Google has their own tools. They have their own AI division. So it's not like they're behind the eight ball here. And talking to some of my software engineer friends, their take on it is that most of the AI engineers all went to the same universities and all know each other, and they're just spread out among the big tech companies. So it's like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple all have their own AI capabilities and tools. They've just delayed the release to the public because they have their brand equity to take into consideration. So they want to make sure it's really functional before they release. Where OpenAI, they're like, to most people, they're a new company, so they don't really have an existing reputation to uphold.
2: After Bing comes into the picture, Microsoft with ChatGPT, what Bing has to offer in the coming years is also really exciting. So right. um, how much shift is it that going to be with the platform, advertising platform that we have as a <laughs> I've been having some issue with the UI. That's what something they need to fix <laughs> before okay. they go on to chat GPT.
0: Right. Um, but that's also really exciting. Right. The Bing search engine, it may make a resurgence now that Microsoft exactly. has its investment with chat GPT. All it's going to take is, it's a matter of habit. I think most of us, when we search right now, we go to Google, we go into Chrome and we go to Google. But if we find is a better experience searching on Bing and chat GPTs involved, then we may see a shift in users go to Bing, and that means more search volume, more revenue for Microsoft to develop the Bing search engine, and that means more advertising search ads being conducted on Bing. So that's going to be super, super interesting.
1: So I'm going to require a little bit of speculation from you guys. What do you think like advertising looks like in a chat search world? Like, if, I, I, mean, it seemed, I know we we're already getting excited about Bing generally before this ChatGPT stuff. I know we we're spending more and more for our clients monthly, but if Bing becomes the default search engine within ChatGPT and ChatGPT becomes the default way you interact with Bing, what does advertising look like in that?
2: I can say something about that with Facebook we've been so much into customer avatar but when it comes to Google we've never been like as critical as we've been with customer avatars and like that way but now with Google let's say Bing does come up with ChatGPT, customer avatar is going to be like very strong way to target the audience so we are going to be moving away from keywords and then the will bring in more audience targeting, like specific audiences built mm-hmm. around your customer avatars. So that's a one major shift that I see happen. But yeah, I'll see if others have to say. It's still
3: a simple prompt compared to the, all the visual you have when you search on Google. And Google, all those years, you have... So when you do your search, you have the snippet, and then you have the video, and then you have uh, the research on LGBT. It's, it's still just a prompt. So there's still a long way to go, go against that with Bing, I, I
1: think. If Chappachea grew to a million users within five days, I think it was, right? Who knows what they have now? And you start imagining yeah. people use that. There's their default search engine. So what are 10 pizza places near me? You asked it that. And it gives you nine, and the 10th one is a sponsored one. That's like a completely different way of advertising.
0: How is that different, though, from what Google currently does if you search for a pizza place near me?
1: Google feels raw now, right? It's like, oh, that's like raw information. If I'm having right. a conversation with an assistant, which alexa has been trying to do, Siri, even Google Assistant, but this is feels like the first time that there is a really helpful assistant that I can interact with. I don't have to talk to it. I can type to it. And I ask well, it anything. If I, if I ask it to write code to, I don't know, scrape some website, it could give me the code or maybe it's somebody, uh, there's a vendor that has a tool that it also offers as an option.
0: And Google's, I'm going back to Google, you know, maybe... Being and Microsoft can do this as well because Google is so goal-based when you give it that target. So for example, it's selling a particular product. Now Google is already starting to create its own ads. There's an option in Google ads where you can opt in for automatically creating assets. So it's going to create headlines, descriptions for you. And the more it iterates on that and learns what leads to the sale, i mean that ai is going to start developing ads developing creative and just in order to reach and find what works to reach that goal it's ah uh, it's just super super interesting
1: yeah if you look at something like even is it tome as an example right you that's the one that you put in your title of your presentation and it'll build out a presentation for you and it's not just the words but it, it also uses Dolly or Midjourney or something to create images that support the words it comes yeah. up with. Like it's rudimentary, but you start yeah. it starts improving and improving, and all of a sudden that's any and, advertising platform.
0: One one comment I saw recently because you, you go on Twitter right now, there's hundreds and hundreds of threads on ChatGPT. And it's the future, and et etc. Cetera, et cetera. So there is some hype. And I did see a thread saying, this is all going to blow over soon. It's just fun to play around with, but there's no real use cases. I disagree with that because we're already seeing the use cases. This is going to evolve the more we identify these really valuable use cases. Rashna has one of the best ones I've seen yet, period, in in advertising. And what she actually did was take a script developed by Tom Breeze. Shout out to Tom Breeze, the uh, YouTube ads Guru is a good friend of ours here at Tier 11, but she took that script and put it into ChatGPT to get variations. Roshna, you did you want to just elaborate on what you did there? Because it's genius.
2: Yeah. So with ChatGPT, I'm always like exploring its capability. So what I did was like we have the script given to us by Tom Pries, And so I Gave all of the directions in terms of what's the target audience, what's the client, what's the objective, and what should be the tone of the script. And then finally, also a template, which we follow It's uh, Educate. And then I also gave the landing page to which I want to advertise. And this is, it spits out the variations so accurately and then you can pick certain sections of the template that you want variations and then it did that also for example the first five seconds variation so how should that even start so let's say if i'm selling hair dryer then I just asked the tool to give me five second variation where I only want to attract the people who have frizzy hair. In that way, also it gave me all these five variations of starting with, are you struggling with frizzy hair if you don't care about, you know, how your hair look, skip the end or... Uh, the, that those hooks and so all those variations otherwise would have taken me like two hours to really think about what else should I be testing and having my focus away from the real targeting and how. But it just saved my two hours and it gave me variations which I don't know I might not have even come up with
3: have to tweak it a little bit after usually what i do and i do the variation and then I, I into the variation you pick one or two and then you tweak them it's like
1: it's not finished business you just tweak them after and that's why it saves a lot of time that's what's such a powerful part of this is it just solves that blank page problem right like how much time is spent just like thinking what to f- start writing this gets you going you give it the information to begin
0: we all have times when we're more creative as creatives and that's one of the challenges I think, in any creative role is that, you know, you have time sometimes where you're not even near your workstation. You're out walking, your dog, or just whatever, doing playing golf, whatever you do in your free time, and you'll have these ideas. These come. That's great, but what ChatGPT allows is even when you're not in your ideal creative flow state, you've got this brainstorming tool that can be can prompt those ideas and get those juices flowing and then if you compound that for when you are in your creative flow and then you've got this other brainstorming tool it's just that like an exponential increase in creative ideas it's true it's yeah. what tom said it's like a blank page starter
1: i was just thinking like a more traditional agency environment the creative team is typically an art director and a copywriter they're just paired up like basically their career and they always have somebody to bounce ideas off to brainstorm with. And that's a little bit tough here in an environment where we're all remote, but now with ChatGPT, you kind of have that little creative brainstorming partner that you can go back and forth with.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, it is exciting when you think about how Google does have their own tools. And I think this is where they've been heading all along with Performance Max. So the, where Performance Max is right now, compared to a year ago, it, I mean, it's been getting better. And we do know that Performance Max has something like 100 features that are going to be released, I I think, likely this year. And it's just exciting to speculate as to what they might be. But I think the machine learning and AI capabilities that Google has, I think that's going to supercharge Performance Max even more and lead it to what we've just been talking about, where what's going to matter is the strategy, the understanding of the customers, also being able to ask the right questions about the data you're analyzing. Those two things. I think the understanding the market, asking the right questions about your customers and your market, then asking the right questions about the data that's coming in and the actual execution in terms of creating ads, creating assets, Google is going to be taking care of a lot of that.
1: Do we have any idea what any of these 100 features are going to be or is it going to be like 100 days of mystery boxes?
0: <laughs> anybody, anybody know? Anybody see some hints? I mean, we, you know, uh, that's what we see announced from I, in, in Twitter, Google Ads Twitter. And so Google's very hush about it all. But yeah, anybody, Rashna, Oli, you have any idea what these features might be?
2: The one thing that I really feel is going to be getting more data. That's something that we are going to get. We've mm. started seeing that for the responsive search ads for we used to get as like a status. How well did a particular headline do? And the rating was all based of good, bad, and that only. But recently, we've also seen that the discovery campaign started getting the performance based of click conversion on all the those assets so if that is starting to happen through discovery and rises up to all of the rsa ads and then comes to the performance max or in in any order that'd be really helpful so i think they're getting into that phase where they understand that now it was all about getting the data from advertisers but now it's time to give it back to them so think? That, that's what I think is going to happen for this year.
3: Giving more insight. We are going to get back more insight from them.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing with Performance Max, where a lot of the complaints we see in the market in general about Performance Max, people say, oh, it's the control. Google's taking away our control. So well, I don't think it's actually the control that people are missing. It's the insights actionable insights. At the end of the day, that's what we want. We want actionable information. So when we see particular creative, the click-through rate, it's not the click-through rate metric that we like. It's the fact that, that gives us information as, oh, people are engaging more with that creative. Yeah, so yeah. Google's starting to release more info like this, but the more actionable it becomes with more context, I think we're going to see more of that because that's what's going to Bring people back and keep using the campaign, and sing its praises. Once we start that feedback loop, I just think that feedback loop is going to be different from years past, where we do look at things like click-through rate, you know, CPMS, all the granular metrics that's made up media buying. I think we'll see a shift away from that.
1: So you just say it's a shift away from like more technical, like. St- data and media that, buying more that's creative what I'm yeah,
0: exactly like the actions that we take from the data may not even necessarily be in the ad platform it may be with a creative team it may be information on our customers that now we further update our understanding of our avatars that's what's most powerful and then we're setting the targets for the campaigns based on that you know how google ads used to be with masses of spreadsheets hundreds, maybe thousands of keywords, very granular changes. Machines are going to be able to take care of all that. But I don't think it's enough where we just turn on a campaign, get the results, and then there's no other actions we can take, which is not how it is, but that's how some people perceive Performance Max. Mm -hmm. So there, there always is going to need to be a feedback loop. And I think that feedback loop is going to be getting better and better. It's just going to look very different from how we would manage campaigns previously.
2: Yeah, something I would add on to that is just for what Nick is saying, smart bidding is actually getting smarter. So earlier when we used to change the targets, it used to go back to the learning, right? If I have changed my target row as to two to three or from three to four, or even have pulled it down to four, it used to go back into learning. But now, especially also Google's release that, It doesn't happen like now. If you change the targets, there's the campaign doesn't go back into the learning phase. And that's recently I saw one of the really good advertisers that I follow on LinkedIn had posted a case study around this. So if that becomes like something I've not seen in the ad account yet. But yeah, I mean, on that point, what Nick was saying was everything is improving the time
3: to improve also that on performance Max. and also in scaling usually when, when you when you scale you, you can scale only 20 to 30 percent budget maybe that way if it's if they shorten that time it's like you, you could scale like okay i'm going to increase the budget 60 percent and have kind of the same performance and not wait in, uh another uh, 10 days or to get back to it yeah
0: yeah maybe. the response time has been slow, yeah. and that that's one again we can't confirm it's just One of the developments we have heard of is that Google is working very hard on getting the learning phase in Performance Max down to three days. When it started, it was like six weeks. Run this for six weeks and then leave it for six weeks. And they're working on getting that shorter and shorter and the goal is like three days. That's pretty huge. So if you launch a new campaign and it's going to have the data, have the ability to learn very quickly with all these, every channel in Google Ads YouTube, search, discovery, display, Gmail, it's gonna learn very quickly on what the best course of action is. So that's pretty massive.
1: What would you say the current learning phase is?
0: For a new campaign, I would still say we're looking at four weeks for it to really, really pick up steam and start delivering. You know, we have some new scripts and new tech that will allow us to see where it's spending. So we'll be able to see it go out and test YouTube for a few days. It might be doing that. We'll see when it tests display. So the shout, big shout out to Mike Rhodes, good friend of ours here at Tier 11.2 for developing that. And that allows us to see how the campaign is behaving. I would say it's gotten faster and performance. I've seen performance get better earlier in the learning phase. Previously, the performance Google, before, Google might say, don't even look at performance for the first four weeks. Forget about it. Just you're buying data. So I've seen that speed up. And especially if we've been running Performance Max campaigns in the account and we create a new one, for example, if we're creating a new customers-only Performance Max campaign, which is a feature I'm really excited about. We're seeing that work for some clients where Performance Max is acquiring new customers- At a cost per acquisition, it's gotten better and better. I've launched those campaigns alongside the main Performance Max campaigns. And within a week, I've seen them start working and acquiring new customers. So we are seeing that getting better and better.
1: Moving on to like general performance, how are Google ads generally performing right now?
0: I
2: have been experiencing like the broad match has been like performing really well. So, I'm also moving away more towards away from the exact match and phrase matches, and getting more towards the broader keywords. Getting that data as Nixle has always been so important. So, starting with broad is something which is really good. And to the earlier point, of- what nick was mentioning on the performance max ramping up within three days i have huge hope on that thing like it could be possible because it has happened in the past we used to start a campaign with the entire new account with manual bidding to get the data but now it it starts from maximized conversion also to start so the learning phase has improved for the other and so i think performance max is also going to be done the other thing is also we might not have a feed only performance max so what we are doing is making sure that we uh, have an alternative in place
0: can you just explain for the non-google advertisers what a feed only performance max campaign is
2: Yeah, in between, Google opened up this loop where you can create just a feed-only, which is the smart shopping plus search, aka DSA. So these two channels are targeted where you don't really have to give any audience signals or accents, and that was loop. Which was there that we were really like, we made that work for some of the yeah. ad accounts.
0: It was basically a way to, the big one of the big shifts was when smart shopping was sunsetted for e commerce accounts. Okay. That was a seismic shift. And Google said to everyone, okay, smart shopping is going away. You've got to upgrade all your smart shopping campaigns to Performance Max. And Performance Max requires videos. Audience signals for targeting images and all these other elements. But a lot of advertisers were like, we just want to keep running smart shopping. So when you run a feed-only campaign, it's basically performance max, but it's still technically working just like a smart shopping campaign. That's what the hack the workaround that Russian is talking about. But Russian, go on, go on. Just
2: Yeah, there were some ad accounts where that really worked out, but then It's always the change is inevitable when it comes to Google Ads. So, being prepared with a full fledged performance max is something like a good strategy to always have because Google can always close that loop and give it two months. I think that loop is not even going to get timer, it's just going to go away one day. I
0: have found I tried to create one in an account the other day and I wasn't able to.
3: Yeah, sometimes I have that too.
2: Yeah, I've been also staying away from creating that campaign in the first place. A full-fledged, full funnel performance max is better.
1: So, talking like even more broadly about performance coming out of Christmas and the New Year, are you seeing like an uptick for any clients or across the board, or is performance just like Uh, it depends?
0: It depends on the niche. So, for our supplements and like clients who are in a health-related niche, we see a big uptick because New Year's resolutions come in, and now everybody after all the feasting and decadence of (laughs) through Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's all about now we're going to be healthy. We're going to focus, prioritize our healthy new year, new new you is a great hook that works quite well there. So we see an uptick in those niches. Others, it will depend on, again, on the niche. Sometimes we see in some niches where the products might be very, popular for gifts that we, we see acquire a month in, in January and February. I think apparel and things like that for retail in general, it's historically quite time. But some accounts where we see that the products are very popular for things that people buy for themselves. So for example, we have a client in mobile phone accessories, and for whatever reason, they tend to see an uptick every January in the sales comparable to Christmas to December so it's a mix but in general we see performance in Google Ads we see some real exciting signals here that performance max is getting better and performance is increasing so I think for this time of year though it just depends on the niche
3: in the alcohol industry they, they call it dry January dry
0: right, January they
3: got re- yeah everybody got resolutions. so I'm not going to drink I'm going to exercise diet so it's dry January yeah
0: All right, we have a
1: question from uh, Suraj. It says, I'm running one PMAX campaign for real estate lead generation, but the lead quality is the very worst. How can we make use Performance Max for lead generation?
0: Okay, the answer is we don't use Performance Max for lead generation at the moment, period, because of this exact problem you're talking about. And what I would recommend is if it's lead generation, focus on your search campaigns. With your conversion tracking, if you can set up offline conversion tracking, so you take your or the client's CRM, or if it's to your business, your CRM, and some of the best ones to use for this are HubSpot. HubSpot is actually one of the best because it integrates directly with Google Ads. But then what you can do, so if it's lead generation, and this is real estate, filling out a form and a contact is one event, it's one signal. That doesn't take into account the quality of that contact. Now, if you set up a signal in your CRM for when that contact is verified, so you know they've spoken to the sales team and qualified as a quality lead, we can set up a signal that will send that back to Google Ads to train the platform to find more of those quality leads. In theory, this should work with Performance Max, but you still will get a lot of junk leads with Performance Max. So I would set this up with search to start with. And then as you get more data, get more leads, you can even set this up all the way to actual closed deals as long as they happen in a three month timeframe. So this is the power of the Google platform with this. We have a three month conversion window. So the more data you send back to the platform based on the success, what looks like success, Google's going to learn that with its machine learning. I would say go back to search. Don't use Performance Max for lead generation right now.
3: We still need a a big volume. They still need a good volume of data. So it depends also. If if he's trying to do that in real estate, that it's local. You you might have to wait six months or one year to get the the right data.
0: Right. Good point. Because if it is local, it's exactly right. It's going to take volume. It's even worse. So performance like small volume. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And it's one more thing was like, you know, it's also when you have an offline conversion tracking in place, you cannot really pinpoint and see what exactly was that process that lead had taken. What touch points were there? Nothing you can see. So you cannot come back to the campaign and pull the lever like that. So when you have a search campaign and you have 10 keywords running and you have your origin tracking, have that one linked to one particular keyword that worked for you. And then you have boom, really good information which you can take back and double down on. Or what would you do with performance max? You would know which touch points happened where, which particular ad copy triggered in. You Cannot do anything. Just sit and much. think. Yeah. And when it comes to lead gen for high-end where the CPCs could really go, I don't know, something like what Ollie was showing me around $300, $500 <laughs> a click. So, sure. yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. So... Yeah, to second one Nico was saying.
1: Yeah, and I think if you are, if you have to run Performance Max for lead gen, a lot of it, there's a lot of managing expectations, particularly for the sales team that's going to have to follow up with all these leads. Just how long the training takes for Performance Max, and how much junk they're going to have to sort through until it gets optimized for that.
3: Yeah, it's also a cost for companies. So there's a cost in the intake because they receive all those junk leads and they still have to call them because they're. Pre- kind of real you mm. don't have to pay their intake and, and then they lose time on, on
0: better leads and that's actually a prediction we have this year we have our crystal ball document here where we're predicting some of the features that google will release and that's actually one of them we're predicting they're going to solve this issue for performance max for gen. we can dream we can dream yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least acknowledge it. They, they, I mean, it's it's something they won't even talk about. It's a it's just obvious. So to the point where we're actually telling people here, like Suraj, we're recommending just don't use it for lead gen. Yeah,
2: I think that's only going to be more realistic with more data. So unless like Google can prove that, see, this is exactly what's happening. There is no junk lead then only I think that whole performance marks would be something to worth testing. So that can only happen if it gives you the data. You don't want to end up testing something and then again falling back into that same pit as everybody did in the early
1: Yeah, Blocking the site who's sending you those also. So switch, switching gears a little bit, Arash, I'm going to put you on the spot and I know you had a case study that you wanted to share with us, something that you recently saw and that I think is really applicable to basically all advertisers. I'll let you take it away from here.
2: Yes, so not something new we have seen i think we've seen this over and over again but it's always a case that has to be presented to the client as advertisers have always been on the both side of the platform on google and on facebook we have seen this but the one exactly happened was we Mm -hmm. have a client who we onboarded i think last year mid. and so they came to us and they said that all right so we've tested facebook that sucks but meanwhile we did a couple of campaigns on google and it was doing really well we started doing performance max and everything started picking up and the brand was not converting we dig into the data and we try to find the reason why all of a sudden the brand conversion rates had dropped the CPCs went 3x and the ROAS was not really looking as well. The client wasn't convinced, like it wasn't really something that they had seen in the past with Google campaigns. So what we just simply presented them, we dug it to analytics. We sometimes the answers when the Google campaigns don't really work. It's in, not inside the ad platform. It's always something outside. So we have to have that capability to look for those answers outside that could be inside of the product feed that could be inside analytics so i went to analytics and i was going through the data comparing the points and so something that really stood out to me was the perform the, the performance of the facebook site was not at par so it was around 1x and the client wasn't really happy about it but what facebook was doing was it was bringing all of the new users And so all these users were captured by Facebook at their awareness stage. So when these people saw the ad, what they did was some of them clicked on it and did not buy. And they went back on and about their daily lives. And other people, they just watched the ad and then organically went to Google and searched for the brand. So that's where the revenue which was supposed to be attributed to Facebook divided into two other channels that is organic and to paid search also meantime was capturing that through brand and retargeting. And then there was direct traffic that you can attribute on analytics. So the revenue which was supposed to be, it's again the attribution issues that we've always struggled every day running campaigns but so that is what we presented to the client so you have to get some facebook running the dependency the not the dependency but the contributor of your top of the funnel was doing really well which was facebook so yeah that's something that recently happened and just that was the case study.
1: Yeah, that's great. It's great to see always reiterating the same idea of you can't treat your forms indiv- like individually as far as performance, right? It's like this overall idea of Facebook, Instagram, and then all the Google products and then everything else that you're using, even for like higher level, like we call it like unaware, like all the discovery stuff and just organic social, like it all feeds the same machine. And Google just right. likes to sweep it all up and claim the attribution, but you can't optimize based on that.
0: No, and that's right. And I think it's a mistake when you look at each platform and sometimes we we'll hear questions like, why can't Facebook be the same ROAS as Google Ads? Or why is the YouTube campaign not hitting the 4X ROAS that's our target? And that's a mistake because the job, top of funnel, getting more eyeballs, getting more people, aware that you exist, that's, it's not the job of that top of funnel traffic to get the ROAS. You need to look at the overall blended MER. So we're very big on MER here. So we look at total advertising spend between Facebook and Google, and we use a target for all of that combined. It's sometimes, okay, sometimes Facebook is the best channel to do the top of funnel, do the retargeting as well, but sometimes people may become aware of a product or offer on Facebook, but they may just not like to click on an ad and go in the browser in Facebook and actually fill out all the credit card details or even buy from Facebook. But they'll go into a Google search and go and buy from Google search. So that doesn't mean that the Facebook ads aren't working. They are. And without them, the Google ads aren't going to work as well. So uh, this is the puzzle that we need to get very clear on that all, how all the platforms work together. So that's something that we, it's a very big part of our focus here at Tier 11.
3: I think last year, they really became frenemies. It's like more than before. It's Facebook (laughs) and Google Ads.
0: Right, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's like...
0: I realize they can't. One can't survive without the other. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's so yeah, true. It, It's Apple who made them frenemies. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny.
0: They it's, uh, <laughs> really could join forces and just say, "Hey guys, yeah. we want the like, same thing. Can we share some attribution? I think it's going to help each other." We can dream. That will never happen. But it's. But <laughs>
1: just thinking about that customer process, like how does that affect how you cre- do your creative? Like creative we come from this place where we're so direct response focused and now it gets a little bit more broad and what can you do to stick in your customer's mind or maybe even if they don't take that initial click on facebook it you're still bouncing around in there so that when they it finally comes back up they go and search for it like it right. leads itself
0: yeah i think that again just comes down to knowing your customers the things we like if we ask everybody who is the most important person in your world most people say oh it's my wife my family etc really, the honest answer is, who's the most important person in your world? The, the answer is me, <laughs> the way we respond. So when we see something that speaks uniquely to what's important to us, what our pain points are, what our desires, if that's right, if we get that right as advertisers, people can't help but respond and pay attention because we're talking directly to what's important to them. So that's what it comes down to. I think understanding the customers and that's what our creative team does. They spend time digging deep into... What, what the customers and what's going to move move the customers and then that informs a creative strategy. So like you said, Tom, if somebody's browsing through their social media and they stop, we want something that's going to stop the scroll, stop that thumb, call them thumb stoppers and then they're sitting there engaging and watching a video or reading the ad copy, they may not click on that ad but that ad has had an impact and that may lead them then to Okay, I'm going to get out of Facebook, go and do a Google search, find out more about who this company is. It's not going to get the attribution, the credit for that ad, but it's done the heavy lifting. It's done the hard work of getting that awareness and getting that customer into the funnel.
2: Yeah. And the source of truth also has to be taken into consideration is that, that you have to see if I went to analytics to really prove the point, I would not be able to prove this point that that is what Facebook was doing because again, analytics is based off last click and it's going to attribute most of the revenue to that last click and you would still be convinced it was not doing its job. But yeah. the other thing, the other thing is also not people that also that omnipresence is something which goes into the subconsciousness of a person's let's see that I am on Facebook and I am, I've been properly targeted, not poorly targeted. Mm-hmm. They know about me. So they know that I've been interested in the sort of things and I might possibly be looking to buy certain product and I just happen to see that brand. So I know this brand exists. So that brand authority is also really important. When I next go to Google and then buy a, let's say, a t-shirt. So when I see the name of that brand on my shopping, I know that this brand is famous. Subconsciously, I've already heard about this brand. So it's always that decision maker for that user to click on that brand over a brand which they never heard of. Right, mm. because they automatically have that trust because they've seen that ad and they have that because our brand had an omnipresent across
0: all the channels. Yeah. So I should mention yeah. too that here in our Google Ads team, every single person in the Google Ads team has either Facebook ads, extensive Facebook ads experience, including myself and Ollie, and Rashna. Has extensive Facebook training and it looks at campaigns, Facebook campaigns for extra knowledge on Google Ads campaigns. And Shurid, who unfortunately was experiencing some internet issues here, also is a very competent Facebook advertiser. So it it just helps so much to understand both platforms. Ad platforms don't exist in their own vacuum in the universe, they're all related and interact with each other
1: yeah and i also say that our more facebook oriented media buyers are also pretty adept at google and constantly training and there's really strong communication and training between both sides
0: exactly it's just the way it has to be as we move into this all these new developments and updates yeah yeah
1: all right so we have one last question from suraj how to make use of google click id i think that's a ah, that but...
0: great question suraj a short answer, again, is that it's actually possible now to capture offline conversion tracking without using GCLID. We can still use it, but the offline conversion tracking we were talking about, so I'm going to explain this for everybody who's not a Google advertiser as best as I can. But basically, if you have a real estate lead generation account like uh, Suraj says he has, and you capture leads, Google can optimize for form submissions But again, it's not going to know the quality of those leads. So previously, you'd have to capture what's called a Google Click ID, which is a little sneaky hidden form field. In in the form they fill out, there's another field that's hidden, but Google will take a little string of numbers and attach that to that lead. So then later on, if that lead ends up becoming a closed deal, we can send that information back to Google. It was really... Fiddly and took like we we would need our tech team to get this set up, and it would be different depending on what CRM was being used. So it was basically a pain to set up. Now Google's introduced what's called enhanced conversions for leads, where we don't need to do that. Google will magically take the customer data, use all its triangulation and the data profiles and all its ways it connects the dots, and will link that back. To the first click, and it doesn't require any of that painstaking development setup. So, Suresh, I would say, Gclid, you can still use it if you are so inclined. You can set that up to capture when people fill out a form, and then further down the track, you can either manually upload closed deals or high-quality leads to Google Ads, and that way, you're training the platform to recognize high-quality leads. Or you can look at enhanced conversions for leads. It's a lot easier to set up, and that's where we're headed in the future, and I think it's going to work even better than capturing the GCLID.
1: Yeah, I know for our stuff, like we use Gravity Forms for our forms, and it pulls in the GCLID, and then that gets sent over to HubSpot, which then goes into our offline conversions, And just a matter of setting it up. But, yeah, the other way sounds much easier. Let's see. All right. I don't believe we have any more questions. Thanks, everybody, for hopping on. Like We we do these every month with the the Google team. Then we'll do another one with our more social-focused advertisers. But everybody, thank you. And then for anybody who's watching, and if you want to learn more about Tier 11, head over to tier11.com. If you want to learn about working with us, there's a little big pink button that says uh, work with us. And if anybody who wants to talk about joining the Tier 11 team, head over to tier11.com slash careers. We're always looking for extremely talented advertisers and creatives and tech people. So we're always looking. Ali, Roshna, Nick, thank you very much. Happy New Year. And I look forward to doing a bunch more of these. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.